So, like, take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off, you hosers. Hello and welcome back to Hosers. My name's Chris Killingsworth and joining me as always is my co-host Carter Lupel. What's going on, Carter? How's it going, Chris? It's going good. We have uh, a friend joining us today. We are welcoming our friend Thomas Williams back to the show. What's going on, Thomas? Nothing much, guys. How about you guys? Uh, just living the, much. living the dream, baby. Yeah. One day at a time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so those of you guys who have been listening along, um, you'll know that Thomas was on a previous episode with us. Uh, Thomas is a writer for the Wings Nation and Leafs Nation. And what else are you writing these days, Thomas? Anywhere else? That's pretty much it. I have a music blog, but I hardly write there, but that's it. Do you actually? (laughs) Yeah, I write for this, uh, Dominionated. They focus on Canadian music. Oh, cool. I did not even know that that was a thing. Yeah, it's like hardly right for them, but still get to put it in my Twitter bio, so it's all good. There and you know go. what? It really is, you know, <laughs> what can I do to add more to my Twitter bio? Exactly. <laughs> Just fill it up. Uh, how was that concert that you went to the other night? Last night? Yeah, the jazz thing that you went to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was good. So I went to the Bad Plus at uh, Trinity St. Paul's. Uh, as part of Toronto Jazz Fest, and it was pretty good. They had a new lineup with a new pianist. They had the same pianist for, like, 20 years or so. It was, like, multiple decades, and they new band and everything, but it's as badass as usual. Sounds good. That's sweet. So, Carter, I just recently found out that Thomas is, like, a big jazz head. Did you know that? I did know that. Tom, Tom and I jammed <laughs> together once. Yeah. When Thomas came over, because he's at my house this weekend... And some guy called him and was like, yo, you want to jam? <laughs> <laughs> no, he like, he called me at, it was at one thirty on the Saturday of draft day. And it was like, oh man, I'm up at York at like, I have a recording session at two thirty. Can you come and play? And I've never met him before, but he's called me like once a month, just asking me to play. And I think he added me on Facebook just randomly, <laughs> got my number god knows how wow but yeah so <laughs> i love it dude that's that's yeah. pretty funny but he just wants a date yeah yeah probably he'll probably kidnap me yeah <laughs> i don't know definitely and then you can put that in your twitter bar too yeah he's gonna put yeah. you in his upright case and walk away with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well uh i'd love to stay and chat about thomas getting kidnapped but thanks for joining us guys for episode 16 uh, I know that we we took a little bit of a a little bit of a break before the uh, last round of the playoffs happened, but the playoffs are done, and the Washington Capitals and most importantly Alex Ovechkin are Stanley Cup champions. 
Carter, how are you feeling? Just so we can circle back to you being the uh, Golden Knights super fan. Um, well, like we were talking about earlier, the, the enough time has passed that the wounds have healed over, and I'm not sad about Vegas losing anymore. Um, but when you watch it and you have somebody like Wayne Gretzky saying no one deserves the cup like Ovechkin, and then you watch how Washington just like relentlessly pounded Vegas game in and game out and then you watched Ovechkin hoist the cup and then you watched Ovechkin never let go of that cup like you really as a hockey fan you after seeing that you can't really picture it going any other way yeah no I I completely agree Thomas what were your thoughts about everything with Ovi and how everything played out I was worried that he would always just be considered one of the guys, one of the greats that, like, never won, like, in the Marcel Dion, Matt Sundin, that kind of camp. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been a fan throughout his whole career, so I've just been patiently waiting for him <laughs> to get this moment. Uh, and it's great that it's come now, and, like, it's the it's a great season to kind of let loose and... I don't know, it's at the right time of his age where he's not too old, where it seems like, okay, now I'm going to retire after this. And now it's just kind of question marks of what keeps him going. But then I feel like he'll still stay here and still want to win with this team. But um, And they definitely have a chance to win with re-signing some of their guys. and That big Carlson deal. Yeah, and they still have – they'll still keep a lot of the same guys around. And they have young guys coming up like Verona and Kuznetsov will be a star for the next 10 years. So Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there's no chance that OV sees this as a one and done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've, I've loved it. Like, I've been – I was going crazy, like, catching up with all these antics and everything it's been like my the highlight of my mornings of on twitter seeing all the videos of whatever yeah he's doing the night before it's true and i know <laughs> or it's the morning of yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems to like it, and i hope i'm not too far off on this but i feel like this is the first stanley cup team in a long time for me that even though i'm not a fan of washington i mean you know you guys all know i'm a maple leaf fan but I feel as if like this was maybe one of the most likable NHL, you know, Stanley Cup winning teams that I can remember. I mean, like I loved when Phil won, like when Kessel won, that was obviously a big deal. I love seeing Malkin parade around the cup, but like Sidney Crosby's pretty boring. He didn't really do anything that I thought was, you know, um, kind of getting people excited. And, you know, I had people at work who like, don't even follow hockey but we're like oh my god did you see what Ovechkin was doing and we talk about all these different ways about growing the game and trying to make it a little bit more meaningful for a casual fan and I feel as if because that team was so likable it was like you know you could get people who weren't you know hockey fans or were maybe considered casual fans along for the ride because they were just so excited about what Ovechkin was going to do obviously that picture of Vrana uh, with the tattoo pulling his sleeve up for a tattoo on his wrist like that kind of stuff was making the rounds all over the internet and as i said i think it's great for the casual fans what do you guys think about that yeah absolutely like it's obviously as hockey and societies evolve like this is a team that's reminiscent of like when mcdonald won the cup or when messi won the cup or when bork won the cup like it's this is like the next generation of those big winnings where the 
basically the whole NHL community was behind those teams winning and yeah. behind those individual narratives getting themselves a cup and then following them after the fact. Like, Lanny McDonald winning that cup was huge. Messier winning that cup was huge. And then, obviously, Bork, like, they compared Ovechkin lifting the cup to Bork lifting the cup. And you saw it with, like, how much emotion poured out of it. And then after the fact, you saw the impact that it had on these hockey players. So I think it, like, this is, like you said, going to go down as one of those timelines and one of those, like, instances where it's going to be one of the most remembered and well-liked and well-respected Stanley Cup winnings of all time. Yeah. What do you think, Thomas? Yeah, I don't have anything really to add other than just, like, to agree with Carter and you guys. Like, it's... It, I feel like it was the most, like, important in, in memory because, like, again, like you said, like, Crosby getting this Cups, like, then that's kind of good with the last two of him not being a one-and-done guy, like, from before, and then, um, and just getting, like, other teams than the whole, like, L.A.-Chicago thing, like, from a couple years ago. Like, now it's kind of evolved into, like, it's anyone's time. If the Caps can win, pretty much anyone can win then. Yeah. Yeah, they make it seem a little bit more, like, it just seems plausible, right? And, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I, I looked at that team... And I think on paper, if you look at the Washington team who ended up winning the cup versus that team that was pretty stacked the year before, Justin Williams, Shattenkirk, you know, guys that they brought along for an expected cup run, the team that ended up doing it on paper, um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say that they weren't impressive, but I'll be honest, I didn't think a team with that defense was going to be able to go that far, but you know, Carlson showed up during the big moments. I think uh, Niskanen played really well. Uh, Orlov played out of his mind. Um, and then how about that John Carlson contract yesterday, eh? What do you guys oh think of that? Goodness, that was huge. It seems a little rich. What yeah. were your initial impressions, Thomas? Um, yeah, it seems like a little bit of a risk, but since you know the guy... Um, so it's eight years and eight mil. So sixty-four. And what is he turning? Tw- he's turning twenty-nine. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, he'll. This might be his last contract, so might as well go the long term. Because if he only signs a five-year deal, then he's thirty-five, like, or thirty-four, or whatever. Then he might get another like short deal. Um, so yeah, so he kind of wanted to bank in, and I don't blame him. And if you know the guys and you know the team already and you don't have to move and it's no hassle, then why not stay with the cup-winning team, really? <laughs> like, there's no... there's I, I don't see any other better option where he could get a lot more. It was going to be 8 to 9 mil per year, no matter what, so... Yeah, well, and given the yeah. fact that it's Washington, the team he played for, he gets the extra year for signing, you know with with the team that held his rights so yeah exactly. I, don't, I don't know how i feel about that contract you know long term and like i think he's kind of your like prototypical uh offensive defenseman if there's such a thing these days but um you know his ability to put up points like that's the reason that that contract is going to be so big and then with the grubauer trade and then them trading uh or pick along and then colorado buying buying out or pick um it gives them a little bit more cap flexibility to do that type of stuff. So I think it was a smart trade. Like 
Thomas, you broke the news to me when I was, I think we were getting beers or something uh, when the trade happened. And um, I think it's a smart move, like especially for a team like Colorado, who's had a little bit of uh, goaltending woes, getting a guy like Grubauer, who's fresh off of a cup win. You know, I think that that could be really impactful for that team. Yeah, um, he's super young, so he has like pretty much the future ahead of him. And you only really got a second round pick for him, but you're gonna trade him anyways because Holtby's your guy, right? Um, and then Orpic, I found he was like a negative player on the ice, anyways. He w- didn't really add anything. If anything, he took away like it's almost like addition by subtraction for that Caps team now. Yeah. Um, with the cap and even the on ice. Um, so yeah, so. For only getting a second round pick for your goalie that could be a starter anywhere, it's not really, it's fine because then you get Carlson and you, you could add some cap. I'm not sure what they have now um, with the Carlson signing, but they have, I'm pretty sure they have 12 forwards and 6D signed. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I don't think they need anyone else. And they can, they have a little bit of space if they want. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I might just be pulling this out of my ass. But yeah, well, they uh, gotta, they gotta find yeah. a way to re-sign Kempney, I think, too. But based on how Kempney played, he yeah. was a healthy scratch for most of the season, and Kempney looked great. I, I mean, he's he's like a, I'd say a five-six on a, on a good team. But even if they could get him locked up for something. Um, you know, maybe two or three years at a at a smaller cap hit. I think that that could be really good because, yeah, you know, like I, I look at that the the back end, like I said a little while ago, and the fact that they were able to keep Carlson's huge, and I think it's really going to have probably a larger impact um, on you know the free agency that's set to start in a couple of days. Now, if we look at you know the draft, obviously that happened this past week, and where. At the period of time, today was the day that uh, qualifying offers had to go out to restricted free agents. What were some of the like initial takeaways that you guys had between that little bit of period of time between when the cup was handed out uh, to when the draft started on Friday? Is there anything that you guys wanted to hit on? In regards to like... Well, just if we're going to go chronologically, we did a bad thing by not recording a podcast for a little bit. So I want to make sure we hit on all the things that happened in between before we get into the draft. There was one quick thing that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but did you guys have anything that you wanted to get off your chest before we get into draft stuff? Um, no, I, like I will get to it a bit later when we talk about who's going where. Like, obviously, the, the Kovalchuk talk started before like the draft happened and then his signing like finished after the draft happened. So it yeah. was, uh, well, well, I we think it ta- happened like it was the, I don't know. Or it was t- the day before the draft happened. It was like Friday night. So it was just yeah. after the first round. Yeah. But that was pretty cr- Yeah. I mean, we could talk about Kovalchuk. Yeah. Just talk about Kovalchuk. Oh man. Yeah. Where, well, where do I start? He's one first of my favorite off, hockey players of all time. He's, Best thrasher of all time. Definitely the best thrasher of all time. Uh, I don't know. Cabriolet has something to do with that. <laughs> the other, the other Cabriolet. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we could. I, I don't really follow the KHL too, too much, but I know enough about you know some of the stup- superstars in the league, and I follow uh, a few of the teams based on a couple of the prospects that they have. Um, I mean, the deal seems a little bit rich. Um, yeah. It's the Marlowe deal, basically. 
Um, yeah, for a 35-year-old hockey player. But I still think that Kovalchuk, um, I don't know. I It was either going to be, like, I think Los Angeles or New York. He yeah. was tied to Los Angeles the last time that he was a free agent. So I was joking with Thomas on the weekend, like, you know, we've done this kind of song and dance before, so it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense that he landed there. But, you know, I still think he's going to put up 30 goals for them. I just think they need to find somebody, uh, you know, obviously LA has problems. Um, you know, they're, they're okay in their own end, but I think they have a hard time transitioning the puck out of the neutral zone into the offensive zone. They have a problem yeah. scoring goals, so hopefully Kovalchuk will help them with that. But I think, like, if they can put him on a line with, like, Jeff Carter or somebody who's going to be able to feed him the puck, I mm-hmm. think he's going to score 30 goals. What do you guys think? Well, yeah, he's, like, he's got the, he hasn't slowed down. Like, that Russian blood is, like, jet fuel. <laughs> like, it's, especially, well, it's insane how they can do that. Like, it's, um, like, well, at 35 years old, or not no, a- he, what? I was going to say, just be careful because I look at a guy like Alex Seven or something and I'm like, I don't know if... Uh, if... Yeah, well, let's, <laughs> there's a line, right? Yeah. I guess there, there's a well that a few of them have been drinking from and Kovalchuk found the well. But, yeah, uh, I agree but with But no, the, the three years for that crazy amount of money, it seems a little wild, like coming straight out of the KHL. But it, um, I think, he, yeah, like he's, if you watched him play like in the... Um, in the latest Olympics, like he's like, he can, he's a mental case. Like he's so strong. Yeah. He's got dad strength for sure. I That's what I mean. Really it's not that. even fair for the rest, like for the rest of the NHL. Like he's got so much strength. Yeah. And he plays with a bit of an edge too. Like I think people forget that, you know, he was, he was pretty notorious for like, you know, a little bit of handwork with the stick slashing <laughs> guys a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be really good. The concern that I have is that LA is consistently finds themselves where they're overpaying for like secondary players, yeah. and I think that that's gonna that's gonna hurt them a little bit, especially with Doughty coming up to free agency. They're gonna have to pay him. I would say Kopitar money, maybe not. What do you think, Thomas? Yeah, I think Doughty's gonna get over ten no matter what. Yeah, so um, do I. So. Because a defenseman like that doesn't come along very often, and I think he wants to stay, stay in L.A. and wants to find a reason to stay in L.A. And right now, anyways, they have so much money tied up in older players, so why not get the best old guy that you can in Kovalchuk? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if you're going for it right now, you have, like, a two-year window where, like, Kopitar will still put up, like, a point a game. Doughty will still skate well enough to be an offensive guy, and I don't doubt Doughty will slow down or anything but you have like all these guys that are 30 plus making five mil or more like yeah. I think I saw a tweet where it was like their highest paid players are and it just listed their ages and it was like well 35 34 31 yeah. 32 like all this stuff like it's why not just go for it now when you can and you you're adding a guy that can has a year or two left in the tank and you have to add the third year then you can it'll still stay in your cap because it's a 35 plus contract. That's right. You can't buy it. That's right. Yeah. You can't, you don't have any relief even if you're retires. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's hard, but when you have a window like this, then what's the extra year that you might have to trade, you might have to give up 
like a second round pick to get rid of Dustin Brown's contract or something. That's in the big scheme of things. It might hurt you for a year, but whatever. Like if you have your cheerio window right now. Yeah, yeah so. it's true. I think, you know, when you think about LA and, and some of the stuff that's going on with them, you're, you're totally right. Like they, I, th- I keep thinking like the, the way that they've been doing things is just, perpetuates like overspending on certain guys right and i know that there's you know uh, a lot of scenarios where you know they can't get out of some of these like loyalty contracts that they were giving out to everybody after they won the cup and i don't know like maybe when the leafs win the cup in the next couple of years bank on that but <laughs> knock on wood right do you guys ex- lay back right well yeah. well no but do you expect dubis is just gonna start giving away like these like loyalty contracts maybe as a fan i won't give a shit because the leafs just won the cup but you know <laughs> if you look in retrospect though like look at how much like how much money they tied up with like guys like dustin brown who albeit wasn't was a pretty good nhl player at that point in time and had a bit of a resurgence this past season he was on hockey wives so he's great right <laughs> and we know that everybody on hockey wives is great so yeah like david booth oh god bless him <laughs> No, I'm so, I can't believe you brought up David Booth. I haven't thought about him in a long time. Like right after, like someone wrote about how like concu- his concussions ruined his life and like the Florida hit and stuff. Jesus, and then, that's a bad hit, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. But what I was going to bring up with LA is that you know they've they've had these things happen, and I know it's not out there publicly, but LA does strikes me as a team who would at least consider. Uh, bringing Voinov back based on the fact that that's the team that he played for. Thomas is rolling his eyes right now for the people oh, that God, can't I'm see. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know you see, could see that. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, listen, buddy, I'm rolling my eyes too. But oh, Thomas, God. you had brought up some, some really so good bad. points on Twitter the last week or so uh, because it's rumored that the, well, we found this out today on Twitter that the Montreal Canadiens are taking a look at Voinov. And forgive me i may not have the details right and we can fill in the blanks here but he has a hearing with the nhl on july 2nd is that right did i understand that right yeah i'm pretty sure let me just pull up something uh i'm pretty sure that's the date i know that's the date for sure july 2nd is when he can start talking with teams but it all comes down to um batman and daily they ran they are running differently than other teams where they have a domestic abuse policy right they're basically saying it's a case-by-case basis. Let's have everything run through us. So they have the ultimate decision if they want to let Voinov in the league. Right. Which I want to say that I hope that they won't. They'll just decide. I don't know why they're not just saying it now when all this stuff is coming right. out. They should just get ahead of the curve and be like, he's never coming back in this league. Don't worry about it. Uh, Jeff Molson, like, shut up and you won't ever have this player on your team. Right. Uh, so... Yeah, I think it's just, it's so insane that this is even a conversation where someone was actually treated, like someone was actually charged and he spent time in jail. He spent months in jail and then he, I don't know if he was actually deported, but he went back to Russia. I'm pretty sure he was deported. Yeah, because that was it. That was, it was four years ago. He had like a term. Yeah where it was like this is the first day that he could come back right that's exactly what i think it was for yeah so now he's like they're like oh he could actually come back into the country 
But I think he still has to apply for a visa. That's, I think, the July 2nd thing is that he has to apply for a visa then because that's the four years to the date, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but people don't seem to think that he's going to have a problem getting a work visa. Um, yeah. But, like, that's, it's so yeah. fucked up, man. I I can't even begin to wrap my head around it. But knowing that Bergevin's in the hot seat as he continues to be in the hot seat as time goes on... Um, I think it's going to be one of those things. Where, like, it honestly, if I woke up one morning to a text from you that's like, Jesus Christ, the fucking Canadian signed Voinov, like, I am fully prepared to get that text message because time and time again, you know, the Canadians have said one thing out of one side of their mouth and the other on the other side, right? And, you know, for a team that's always looking for character and that's the reason they keep shipping off, you know, all these players, Subban, Galchenyuk, so on and so forth. I just think it's very ironic that they want to bring this piece of shit back into the league. Um, you know, like he's going to have some better character traits than Galchenyuk. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah, and like trading away a guy that donated $10 million to a children's hospital in your city. Right. And then you say he has character issues, so you trade him away for what was seen as to maybe to you, to like, to Bergevin as an equal deal with Shea Weber. Yeah. For and then bringing a guy that's literally the worst case scenario for character issues. Like how does that make any sense whatsoever? It's just and like the thing is he's not even a, that good of a player. He won't make a difference. He won't be like if if Kovalchuk at his age, at what Voinov age, I'm pretty sure is twenty eight. Yeah. Um Kovalchuk at twenty eight was a monster and if he did like on the ice but if he did that stuff like off the ice, he would be shipped away like crazy. But I'm sure a lot more fans would be like, "Oh, just bring him back. Like it's fine." Like, yeah. All this stuff, like the NHL fans that I know and dislike, will like just wash that away because he's good at doing. Yeah. A sport that you like, and he's on your team. But Voinov's not even that good. He'll be on your second pairing, and he'll might he'll penalty kill. Yeah. Okay, that's that's cool. You could get that for whatever you get that on waivers if you really wanted (laughs) yeah no it's true and yeah the the whole thing's pretty perplexing like the uh the galchenyuk thing like we we spoke about galchenyuk quite a bit in the first few episodes eh carter yeah it's crazy to see him get dished off like in that old school like one for one way yeah yeah i love the the one for one i'm a i'm a big fan of it myself (laughs) but when was the last equal one for one like never yeah Seth Jones, Ryan Johansson. That's probably the close. Yeah, honestly, that's probably like the best comparable for that for sure. But like, like what is? I don't know. I don't. I don't think Domi. Like I, I wasn't in the Domi camp for this one. I was, like they. I, I feel like Arizona definitely made away with the better bet. Oh, definitely. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at who they have down the middle now, um, because. You know, obviously they're going to play Galchenyuk as a center just to spite Mark Bergevin. But um, <laughs> I think it's going to be great because they're going to have Derek Stepan down the middle. They'll have Galchenyuk down the middle. Uh, you know, Arizona has tons of, uh, you know, ready and able wingers to be able to get the job done there. Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom, yeah. Maybe he slots in as your, your you know, third center or, you know, maybe they shelter his minutes and, you know, a lot of offensive zone starts and things like that for him. And they have Kachina jerseys to wear on Saturdays. and Oh, oh God. 
I'm I'm excited for that hockey night can against the Leafs. They're wearing that then, and it's going to be great. Dude, the Kachina jerseys, like you, I know you own one, Carter, and our friend Tim, who's been on a few times, uh, big big Coyotes fan, and I know he's got one too. I think he's got I'm, a Kachina tattoo on his thigh. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's dedication to the team there, but. Yeah, I think, you know, there's th- these character things that keep coming up. I'm 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 getting pretty tired of them. We're going to get into the draft stuff, but, you know, obviously one of the biggest I would say blockbuster trades that we've seen in quite some time uh was the deal with uh with Carolina and Calgary. Yeah. And all this shit that's now coming out about Dougie Hamilton's character and somebody put it way better than I would be able to, but I'll I'll do my best here. You know, Boston shipped out, um, you know, Tyler Sagan for partying too much. And then they shipped out Dougie Hamilton because maybe he partied too little or he was, you know, maybe uh, not a, a team first kind of guy. And now the same type of shit seems to be going on uh, with with Calgary. Uh, and now he's getting a, a third kind of fresh start here uh, in Carolina. Uh, Thomas, we'll start with you first. What were some of your takeaways of that trade? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Who do you think won? I I am like the biggest Dougie Hamilton fan. I think he's like a top five D in the whole NHL. Um, so to trade away a guy like that and to have him traded twice, I think it's just he's just like a normal guy. Like he might be quiet. He might, again, with like character issues, it's not really an issue because he's just not the type of guy to – party and you saw that with the john shannon thing that coming out with the museums and like (laughs) i think that was just i think that was just an anecdote so if you missed it if you missed it he said that other guys would go to moxie's which is (laughs) it's not even that good like it's not if you're it's just like a (laughs) it's it's like a jackass or something like it's not good um and yeah and then so other guys would go there and then he would go to a museum by himself or something and like (laughs) So he just likes to, and like he likes to read books. Like that was another thing I saw. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> oh, so does most people. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, from the trade, I, I really like it for Carolina. Carolina, they got the better player. They only had to give up Hannafin, which his ceiling is being a player like Dougie Hamilton is right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you'd rather get that right handy, Hannafin's left hand is if that is a huge thing, and. The player that they had to give up with Hanfin Lindholm, I know it's he's probably the best forward because it's just Furland, the other forward. Um, well, he, he's, the, he's still like a e- forty point like a, a year like Lindholm. Like he's yeah. still like he's gonna do well in Calgary. Yeah, I think I think Lindholm has some potential to mix it up, and I heard kind of um, rumors that he would be partnered with like uh, Monahan and Goodrow. Oh, okay be on the wing of them and kind of be like tag along with them and try to, and then they have that crazy line with the Kachuk and Backlund and (laughs) Froelich and all that stuff. Yeah. Anyways. uh, Yeah. And then, so they got also Adam Fox, who is a prospect from Calgary over to Carolina. Uh, An NC2A Um, prospect, my favorite kind. Oh yeah. Sorry. NC double A. Sorry. They breed the best hockey players in today's NHL. Yeah. Mm, I think the OHL right. has something to say about that. I don't know, man. Look at all the boys that came out of the NC2A in this first round. 
technically than the Mastodon. Yeah, I was going to say, but... they're not quite <laughs> in college yet. But no, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit, I wouldn't say I'm biased, but like I love Dougie Hamilton and I would honestly die for him. Um, I just think that he, like the only knock I have on his game is that he's 6'6", but he's not physical at all. He's, you know, I, I guess he'd be considered kind of like a John Carlson, like an offensive forward or rather an offensive defenseman. But the challenge is, is that with a guy like that, like I wish that he'd step up a little bit more and be play a bit more of a defensive role. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, you got to imagine Justin Falk gets traded to the Maple Leafs, but <laughs> I like, I don't know who he's going to partner with, uh, in, in Carolina. Um, but it's interesting too, because, uh, it was out at one point or another that, uh, Elias Lindholm had some beef with Bill Peters in the way that, um, Lindholm was being deployed in Carolina. And now that Bill Peters is the coach, um, in Calgary, it's kind of like, you know, he's excited because, you know, the, the prospect of not having that, you know, coach moving into a new season. Um, and now you're right back to Bill Peters. So, you know, I, I think Lindholm will probably slot in the top six. Maybe he sees some time with Monaghan. Um, but, you know, I, I just feel like when you look at a trade like this, you you have to look at which team acquired the best player and, you know, we don't know what Adam Fox is going to be. Um, you know, people seem to think he's going to be pretty good at some point. Uh, but I think Dougie Hamilton, far and away, is the best player here. Furland's nice. He gives them a little bit of, uh, I think he'll play what, like a, maybe a top nine role, bottom six role for Carolina. And I know Carolina was looking for a little bit of grittiness. Um, but Thomas, do you know Adam Fox like, as a prospect all that well? I know that he was one of the highest scoring D uh, in the NCAA this year. He's right-handed, I think only 20 years old. Um, I know that he was very highly coveted um, and that he wasn't sure about signing with Calgary, so that was an issue with the trade of that because um, they were talking about with Treleving meeting with his, I guess, family advisor, not agent, um, <laughs> with uh seeing if he would sign in calgary and turn pro and then he was he was debating it and then i guess they've they saw this as just a trade ship if he wasn't going to trade or wasn't going to sign rather um so it might have added the value but i think it was a huge trade to make that just to like almost like a throw-in with hamilton like he fox could turn into that like he's smaller than hamilton obviously because hamilton's a giant but like um, he could turn into that speedy, like right-handed guy that skates well and can move the puck up the ice. So he's a very valuable to your team, and he's so young, so you never really know what he could develop into um, with a couple more years. And there were even talk of like him. I think he's definitely returning. Um, yeah, he is. He's going back for sure. Yeah. So, and I think there might be talks of him being in Carolina in the 2019 season so like if you're giving up two right-handed d that could be top four defensemen they might be top four in carolina then and you're getting back like a potential one left-handed d and uh like a middle six forward we'll call Lindholm. like it's kind of hard to justify but if you have other reasons to trade hamilton and that you seem 
like you want to justify trading him, then I guess it's all right. But I still side that Carolina got out of this with the best player. So I think, I guess there's time will tell. Like Hannafin might have a super long career and he'll flourish in Calgary and you never know. Like, but I, I think I like this trade for Carolina. What do you think, Carter? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, Carolina hardly had to give anything away. Um, well, I mean, I don't know about that. Hannafin's, Hannafin's yeah, I think Hannafin's <laughs> relative, I would agree with you, but I think, yeah, I mean. You're, like if, you're making a huge upgrade with Hannafin to Hannafin. Yeah. yeah I know the, like, name, the name sucked to say in a row, but yeah. Like it's, like Hannafin, like watching Hannafin and Lindholm go to Calgary, like Calgary's in a place where they're going to allow those, like, because Hannafin was like a like a thirty-ish point defenseman, and Lindholm's a forty-ish point forward. Calgary's the like the type of organization for the two of those guys to go, where they can either like open the floodgates or they can just kind of plateau and still make like a long career for themselves. And yeah. they'll they'll make a home in Calgary out of the fans there as long as they just continue to do what they're doing right now. But I feel like in the growth like pattern that Calgary's wanting to look forward to, um, these two guys are gonna like be going into a, like a a fiery organization hopefully. But wow, th- fiery organization fiery. to Calgary, eh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's such low hanging fruit, man. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. I think I think in Carolina there might be a storm brewing, but yeah. With Adam Fox, do you think he could make Carolina great again? <laughs> You guys know Ido is a Trump he's, supporter, he's right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's oh like God. well, the, it's got to be Harvard people, though, right? Is he go? Yeah, he's go to Harvard, or is it BC or BU? I can't remember for Adam Fox. No, he's Harvard. Uh, to Chuck was BC. Ah, yes, yes. Well, in any case, I think that uh, I will be the first person to say the museum's sick. I will always go to the museum. Um, I would even invite Dougie Hamilton the next time that they've got uh, the dinosaurs there. But, uh, you know, (laughs) on the topic of dinosaurs, I tried to segue this. It's not working as well as I thought it would. But, um, Carter, did you know that um, Thomas has never seen any of the Jurassic Park movies? Oh, my God. You haven't? Like, like you haven't seen any of the new ones or any of them at all? Any of them at all. I, I, like, never really was watched a lot of movies as a kid so i missed out on a lot of franchises what's another like, franchise that you've i don't mean to like out you here but i kind of want to out you here you're gonna expose me did you see uh, the mighty ducks back... movies no seriously <laughs> yeah i've never seen oh that. my god uh Let... back to the future never you're seen not me. missing much there that yeah. franchise is yeah, a bit overrated you've never seen the uh... mighty i watched all three of <laughs> no. them the other weekend <laughs> I think that's funny. See, I wish you had said something like, oh, you know, my parents, like, didn't want me watching, like, dinosaur movies when I was younger. That might have been it. I know, like, when I was super young, I once, I think I saw the commercial for a King Kong movie when they were, like, oh, Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah, that, that would do it. Oh, the one with, um... And, yeah. Oh, what's, Mark what's the Italian guy's name? 
Um, I don't know how old I was. It must have been like early 2000s. Like I was probably like five. Jesus. Uh, hold on a second. What's the guy's name? Are we looking up? Isn't there one? There's one with Mark Wahlberg, I think, that was in the 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Well, whatever. Like I was like freaked out. So I guess they just like were very precautionary of like what moves to watch and all the jurassic parks were already out so. they were kind of a scary movie like i remember seeing them when i was real young my parents let me watch it and i was like obsessed with jurassic park when i was younger <laughs> um and yeah like it's weird because i want to see the new movie so bad and i mentioned that to thomas when he was here this weekend he's just like i've never seen them oh and i was goodness. just absolutely so confused but yeah. yeah, Thomas likes the Planet of the Apes with Paul Giamatti. Oh. <laughs> is that who it is? <laughs> That's it. Paul Giamatti is like the main ape in it. Jesus. <laughs> I had no idea, but that's so yeah. good to know. It really turned sideways. You know? <laughs> I love it. It's Planet well, of the really Apes. <laughs> Get your hands off me, you damn filthy ape, or whatever the <laughs> classic line is. The new Planet of the Apes movies are good, though. They are good. Caesar Caesar is very woke. I think you would like it, Thomas. <laughs> okay. I, I just like, I don't know, I dedicate my time to weird non-movie things. Yeah. I, wa- I waste my time. No, with uh, I, th- I think it's a pretty good way to waste your time is not on movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just like looking up like Philip Ronick's junior stats and you're like, but will it ever translate <laughs> yeah. to a top four defenseman in the NHL? <laughs> Hey, hey, it will. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, Speaking of you liking dinosaurs, that's probably why you like that reptile Dalene so much. <laughs> Don't you dare. He's, he's the new ugliest guy in the NHL. <laughs> okay. He looks like a robot. All right, good, good like... segue to the draft card. You just buddy. called Rasmus Dalene a reptile. Look at him. He, he looks said, like one could've... of those little green lizards from the original <laughs> Jurassic Parks. Oh my god. He was the ugliest guy at the combine. You are so mean. Okay, let's talk about the draft. So. Are we talking about dinosaurs? (laughs) No, we're not. He's got dinosaur strengths and looks. Because then we'll talk about Lula (laughs) Morello. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about. Let's talk about the draft a little bit here before we get too off the rails. Um, So, Carter bailed on Thomas and I this weekend to watch the draft because he was sick. Guys, I've I've I haven't spent a weekend in bed in years. I don't think. Okay, so but you're feeling better now, and that's what's important. Half half. So, let's talk a little bit about the draft. The draft is my favorite time of the year. When we look at the draft, obviously Darlene was the consensus number one pick to Buffalo. Um, he's going to be wearing number twenty six. I watched the press conference today on my break. That's not surprising. What number do you think Matt Molson's going to wear? Uh, on what team, <laughs> do you think? Yeah. It's a bit <laughs> of a rhetorical question. But uh, obviously, Darlene went number one to Buffalo, which we all expected was going to happen. Um, people seem to think that he's going to be paired with Rasmus Ristolainen out of the gate. Um, but how could that be if Ristolainen's going to be the number one defenseman of the Edmonton Oilers, Thomas? <laughs> Uh, cause Darlene's gonna get traded to the, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. The, Rissa is a garbage, so it's, he could get paired with him and it wouldn't matter, so. Yeah, the thing with Rissa and I find is, is that, you know, 
are, are the uh, quote-unquote eye test people seem to think Rasmus Ristolainen is the greatest thing since sliced bread, but when you dig in a little bit, even like some of like the super, super basic analytics, they are not friendly to our friend. I guess we could oh. say like good bad, good Rasmus and bad Rasmus. Uh, to, so in this case, bad Rasmus. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, I think that, uh, like, Darlene's, I don't know. I've, I've seen him play an, enough to know that I think he's going to be a difference maker for them. But I think they're going to have to shelter him quite a bit. Do you guys think that they'll they'll do the same thing, or do you think they're just going to let him go? I think they'll see what they have. with. They'll do the whole preseason thing. I'm sure they'll pair them first and give Darlene just, like, 25 minutes a night just to see how he can handle kind of playing around. Yeah. Um, of course, they'll have time to kind of experiment and see what they can do. And they're no in no rush to really win or anything. Um, so they'll have time to move Dalene around, see who plays. I don't even know their other right-handed defenseman. Is Jake McCabe there? Is he right-handed? Uh, Jake McCabe so, is yeah. there, but I don't know what handedness he is. I'm pretty sure he's right-handed. Okay. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, so as of right, even... like he's slotted right now on the second pairing. Okay, so he like he might be an option. They might grab a free agent when they want to kind of try to win. Um, there's Zach Bogosian, who I completely forgot Dude, about. Dude, Zach Bogosian. That's the best Atlanta Thrasher of all time. <laughs> so that's who Dalene's paired with right now. Like as a like, like as like on mock like in a in mock, a mock lineup. lineup, yeah. Yeah. Dude. Okay, that's that's, that's gross. Bogosian's fine. And Dude. Then him them playing together like on the second pairing, I think will allow Dalene to like start to open it up and find his pace. You guys ever see the videos of the guys that are like the strong men and they're just pulling like a fucking like 18 wheeler truck that is Darlene you know towing around Bogosian on his uh on his blue line <laughs> and then Eichel's like sitting on top just like yeah. sipping something. yeah Eichel's like you guys better find somebody to get the puck out of the defensive zone or I'm gonna get the coach fired again <laughs> uh do you guys see what that ridiculous thing that TSN posted about um who's your favorite forward defense combo Oh, I think I saw that. And they already no, had didn't. so they posted um who are you who are you starting your team with? Which forward defense combo would you choose? And they have Matthews Riley, McDavid, Nurse, Crosby, Latang, Ovechkin, Carlson, Cobertar, mm-hmm. Dowdy, uh Shifley, Bufflin, Stamkos and Hedman. And they have Eichel and Dahlin as the number one pick. It is so perplexing that they chose to use Nurse instead of Clef Bomb. <laughs> Well, who else would they have? Yeah, yeah but I was gonna say like, you have a lot Sakara. to pick. <laughs> no, I know, but like in what universe? McDavid and Brandon Anderson, or Davidson, In what uh, universe would you like? If you were the person doing that, would you pick Nurse over Clefbaum? I take Clefbaum every day of the week. Someone that works for yeah, they're obviously not watching the games. Well, but they already have Darlene that's slotted true. up there, like with all these people. I, I find it insane. Yeah, see, but that's the thing, though. Like, if you look at Darlene's game. He's here's the the first thing. He's used to playing on a European ice, so he's going to need a little bit of time to adjust to the ice. And I know that that sounds kind of cliche and you're going to hear that a million times before October, but that's like the fact of the matter. Like that's that's the situation that we're at right now. The yeah. other thing is 
is I think people forget like how Deline plays. Like they're very quick to look at his dangles and his, you know, like, you know, undressing people at the blue line and whatnot. But the problem is, is that they also forget that he's an 18 year old kid. And with all the poise in the world, it's going to take a little bit of time to adjust before he's going to be able to play that period of time. And he is a 6'3 defenseman. He's what, like a buck 80. He's probably going to want to put on a few pounds uh, in the off season here. But I, I, I don't know if we're going to see as great of a difference. Like, obviously, Buffalo is going to be a better team. But if you look like at a team like the Leafs, for example, when Matthews was drafted or when McDavid was drafted or when Eichel was drafted, those were players that were having a positive impact offensively right out of the gate. And I don't yeah. know if we're going to see that style of play from Darlene, especially if he's going to be paired with a guy like uh, like Ristolainen or a, a, a guy like Bogosian. Because with Ristolainen, I think Ristolainen will still be kind of the trigger man on that line or that defensive pairing. And, you know, I think Darlene is probably going to be a little bit more defensively responsible that way. But yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, yeah, like he one on the weight thing, like he is as much as people like to say, like it's not like a weight throwing game anymore. Like if you look at guys like Ovechkin, like he's six three, but he's two twenty. Like that's a whole another fridge skating at you. Like Darlene does have some growing to do, um, especially if he wants to play on the blue line. How the NHL like watching the playoffs this time around. Like I haven't seen body thrown around like that, like in many years in the NHL. And so he's going to have to do that. He's going to, like you said, that that's a big change acclimating from international ice to North American ice. Like, you have to change your whole style of the way, like, he's used to skating that big wide ice and having that room to do what he's like to do or what he likes to do and is able to do. And now he has to play on this condensed ice surface yeah. where he has to get used to different angles. He's going to have to move the puck differently. He's going to have to... Um, like play the corners and play like the posts differently and he's going to have to play with a whole new set of people like it's like there's a lot of factors coming into play where I feel like he's going to Buffalo might be a great start for him because it, it allows him to kind of like open up his wings a bit um, more than other like more established organizations would or ones that are a bit more well off than Buffalo um, but it could also hurt him in the fact that if they don't nip it in the bud quick, he's going to start to develop some bad habits early on if they let him fly too far or like too freely. So, I, yeah, I um, just I think it, he's going to need a bit of time to, you know, you know, craft his creativity a little bit differently because you're right on a smaller ice. He's not going to have the space that he once had. But I think a lot of people forget too. like Darlene will lay a guy out. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the highlights of him. Uh, you know, in some of the packages that are out there. I've seen a few times where he's like, you know, straight up bodied guys, open ice hits. Um, yeah, when you got a team like LA full of dad strength. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I think I've seen a couple international hits. I think he did, laid a huge one at the U18s a couple years ago. Yeah. Which is ruthless to lay somebody out in the yeah. U18s. <laughs> yeah, don't they still have that little <laughs> badge on the back of their jerseys that say stop? <laughs> With the McDonald's arches. <laughs> I, I love it. But uh, enough about Darlene. What did you guys think of uh, Carolina's pick with Andrei Svechnikov? Good. It was great. Yeah. 
Barry guy. Good Barry know. boy. Uh, I was going to say, Chris, how many times did you see him I play this year? Uh, almost a dozen times. And I went to a lot of Colts games this past year. He's great. Like, my scouting report on him, quite frankly, is he's the best player on the ice. I would say he was probably one of the top players in the OHL last year. He's uh, stronger on the puck, I would say, than most of the players. He's got a hell of a shot. Um, I think it's great. I'm excited for Carolina because you guys will remember when we had Corey Snyder on, um, and he was, you know, pretty excited about, you know, some of the changes that were happening. And I think, you know, when you look at the impact that a guy like Svechnikov is going to have out of the gate, because I imagine he'll, he'll slot in right away. Um, I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited to see what ends up happening there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think that, you know, with everything that's going on in Carolina, there's a part of me that's really excited to watch them next year. And I know that they've been kind of a pick that a lot of people pick in the preseason because, you know, they've had this amazing defensive corp. But now that they're starting to, uh, you know, see the fruits of their labor start to work out uh, offensively, I think that's going to be really exciting to see guys like Svechnikov. Uh, Valentin Zaitkov is another great player. Uh, Warren Fogel, I think, will probably make the team at some point or another. So they're just adding another asset to what I would consider to be a really great prospect pool. What did you guys think of uh, the Svechnikov? Um, yeah, um, I think it's just great that they were able to get a player like that. I think he instantly becomes almost the Calder favorite just because offensively it's just easier to show up and kind of get the stats, kind of like a McAvoy versus um, the two guys this year with Barzal and Besser um, and Keller, I guess. But um, yeah, and I, I really like everything about his game. I almost view him as like a Tarasenko, but with even more potential that he kind of plays the same style. The... That not just because they're both Russian, but they're both heavy. They don't won't shy away from the physicality. When you say all. heavy, do you mean thick with two C's? Oh yeah, no, there's three C's. Oh, perfect. He is though. He's yeah. he's uh, he's a big boy for sure. He 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 won't care about laying someone out on the forecheck. No, like, not even a little bit. When when Carolina plays Buffalo, Dali, they're on the same side, right wing versus lefty, so. <laughs> Sveshnikov will just come straight at him. I think it's uh, interesting, too, that <laughs> that their Carolina's marketing team uh, said that he's wearing number 37 because his brother wore number 37. But we talked about it. He His brother only wears 37 in, on Grand Rapids. He hasn't worn 37 with the Red Wings, has he? He wore it last year, like 2017-18. When he was up for a couple games. I just think that's weird. Like, why would you wear the same number as your brother? It might be a family thing, like a lineage. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if they have any. I think their dad played, and he might have wore that number. Um, yeah. That's the only reason why I, I wore know. number is four it? in minor hockey is because my dad was number four. Bobby Orr? No, I, yeah. I probably didn't know who Bobby Orr was. <laughs> your, your dad's like, I fucking hate the Bruins. No way. Yeah, no. Yeah, he got number four from the, the Richard brothers. Did I ever tell you the story of the Ron Hainsey thing? No, but I love it. Okay, this is really this is really off topic, but uh, it's to do with numbers anyway. So he played for UMass Lowell, and um, he grew up a... It's an NC2A uh, team, Chris. Yeah, yeah no, I know who they are. Thank you. 
<laughs> you grew up uh, a uh, Hartford Whalers fan. He's from Connecticut. Yeah. And, uh, and he hated the Bruins and Ray Bork like crazy. <laughs> so just to piss everyone off, he wore 77 for like... Oh, no shit. Just to like... And yeah, it was so... <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, this guy's great. Like, just to... As a little, like, middle finger to everyone, it's, this is your favorite player, then I'll just take his number. I, I think people like, forget, like, and we weren't old enough to really know too much about it, but, like, the rivalry that Hartford and the Bruins had back then was palpable. I think. Oh, yeah. It's like a whole new, the whole new Right. Thing. Well, yeah, when, like, if you stood outside the TD Center, you could spit, and you were landed on the Hartford Arena. Like, it was, that's yeah. how close they were together, right? It's true. It'd be like putting a team in Etobicoke. Hey, they're going to put a team in Markham one of these days. Okay. I hope so. Yeah. So, uh, aside from Svechnikov, I think the draft for a lot of people started at three when the uh, Montreal Canadiens were, were set to draft. And I know that the pick was in play. There were lots of talks about uh, that, you know, Montreal might look at moving the pick for some immediate help up front, but also some help in the back because they've, you know, traded away all their prospects. But um, as far as, uh, yes, is it Yesperi or, yeah, Yesperi yes, uh, Kotkaniemi? Sorry, I've been practicing all of my uh, my names by being able to say Semyon der Argushinstev. Fuck. It's flawless. I said today on Twitter that I could, like, say it without stuttering, but I've been practicing, like, fucking crazy for the last few days. But what did you guys think of that Kotkaniemi um pick and you know do you think it was wise for them to pass up on a guy like philip sedina um so i think it was a very stupid play to pass up on sedina yeah i agreed. i have the theory that like the right wing is one of the like best draft like one of the best like it's it's such a sleeper position like if you look at all the guys who like came in like phil kessel uh like kucherov uh kane came in on the right wing um Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler, like, yeah. Like, the right wing is such a dangerous position, especially on, like, standard-handed goalies. Like, they when they come down off... Like, if you look at Phil Kessel, how he burns away all his points, he shoots his puck in the same spot every time. And if you, like, look at how the right wing is played, most of those guys score, score those points in the exact same way. Like, it's... Playing on that right side for standard-handed goalies is... It's basically like a point machine. So... W- Montreal in the position that they're like, I'm excited for you, Thomas, as a Detroit fan to see Zadina come in, and well, sorry, a Detroit writer to see because he's he's gonna be <laughs> no, he's a fan, he's a fan, he's he, I I want the team to do well and be smart, and, but and rebuild. Zadina's well. gonna be an amazing, uh, he's gonna be an amazing, with, like he's gonna light shit up in Detroit. Yeah, like, he is. Oh yeah, and so ju- like he's gonna come in at a time where he's gonna be able to play that right wing to its full extent so i think montreal just from like a a numbers perspective like they pass off huge like putting another one down the middle like it's i don't know i i would have much rather see zadina go to like i'm a habs fan and i would have rather see zadina go third instead of sixth you were probably like doing the same expression that that lady was doing on the sportsnet broadcast (laughs) who just was like visibly devastated that they picked Kotkaniemi. Well, yeah, I saw it come up. I was like, what are you doing picking another center? Well, you kind of look like that lady. <laughs> you do kind of, yeah. But it's, uh, 
it's it's one of those things right where like i was saying to thomas like the thing that i love about zadina is is when he got passed up one of the first things that he said when he was doing his media was i'm gonna fill their net with goals um as as a way of saying like i don't care that you didn't take me because i'm gonna make you pay for it and that kind of confidence like oh my god find a way to synthesize that and just put it right into my veins because i i I love it i i honestly love it and philip zadina is such a likable player likable character you know you've heard him in the in the media talking a little bit leading up to the draft and like i want to see this guy super successful um and i think that he's going to find that success um as a prospect of the red wings um and i I have something that'll make you even love him more. So he was on the the Red Wings podcast today, and I was like listening on my walk home. And as soon as the guy was like, "Oh, do you like Philip or Phil?" and he's like, "I like the Phil," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god, this guy's so <laughs> sick." <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I like him a lot. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happened. Um, obviously, there were lots and lots of picks that that were you know. You know that that took place uh, on on the the two days of the draft. What were some of the picks that stood out to you, Thomas? I know you're, uh, you know, you try and remain as objective yeah. as possible, but were there <laughs> some uh, people that got like, picked way too early, or some people that um, maybe didn't get drafted at all? Like, what were some of your uh, overall takes as far as that goes? So there were a couple first round guys that I thought got drafted way too early and kind of. And then some slipped. Um, like, I'll say, like, Liam Foody and Jay O'Brien, that 18 and 19 Columbus and Philly, like, they're centers, so they're valued higher. Um, but, like, Liam Foody played for London. London wasn't a great team this year, but he kind of shone in that role. And Jay O'Brien played in high school at a prep school for most of this year. Like, to get a 19 overall pick, like, he hasn't even touched, like, a bchl or like he's just been in high school in the states like he wasn't in the development program i think he was before um like just it's just a weird thing like he got 80 points in 30 or so games like it's crazy like you stand out that's like stamkos his draft year have, yeah but it's also yeah, like, like quality of competition right yeah yeah and he well, didn't no, even go I mean, like, like he was like like comparing him out of like his ohl, OHL draft OHL, year yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, so I think those guys, like, they might turn out to be good, and, like, you might see those, like, guys that I wanted Philly to take or Columbus, like, because I just have a f- soft spot for Philly. Um, I don't know why. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, those other guys, you like, Rasmus Kapari was taken right after, like, uh, Isaac Lundestrom, who's a pretty safe pick for the Ducks because he's just a 200-foot kind of center. Um from Sweden, but I so I liked the other first round picks. Um, Ottawa taking Bernard Docker was kind of a reach, he was the surprise. Um, I saw his game more in the second round, third round, like nothing really stood out to me when I saw him play. Um, yeah, and then of course, the ones that everyone's talking about with Detroit coming out of the first round Friday night with Phillips Idina and both Joe Valeno, like two guys that were. Wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised taken in the top 10. Like, if Valeno got up there, you would understand, oh, he's exceptional status, he's a center. Like, you wouldn't kind of bat an eye if you selected in the top 10, top 15. And Detroit got out with both of them at 6th and 30. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I uh, I couldn't agree more with that. I think for me, there were, yeah, there were some picks that I thought were were pretty, like, surprising. Um, you know, when I think about the first round in particular, I think Barrett Hayton, you guys know I'm, like, not a huge Barrett Hayton guy. Um, so seeing him go what I thought was pretty early to Arizona at number five was pretty, pretty interesting, considering I think you probably could have got him a little bit later in the first round. But it, I guess, you know, if that was Arizona's guy, then then whatever. Especially because Arizona could have easily had, uh, you know, Quinn Hughes or Adam Boquist. Um, so that, that was a little bit interesting. Um, I honestly thought that Oliver Wallstrom would go a little bit earlier than he did. But I think another team that made out like bandits... Uh, in the first round where the New York Islanders uh, being able to get Wallstrom at 12 and then Noah Dobson, um, or sorry, Wallstrom at 11 and then Dobson at 12. Uh, um, I didn't mind the Joel Farabee pick for Philadelphia. I feel like he was a pretty safe pick, uh, which is something that they've been doing for a long time. Um, a guy that I think has a lot of upside that's in Philadelphia's system, Morgan Frost. Um you know, but I, I I would say they largely pick a lot of pretty safe picks. Ty Delandria, my boy, um, I thought he went really early, eh, Thomas? I was really surprised to yeah, see him go I, so early. I was kind of looking forward to him at the Leafs or the Wings picks later on. Um, I thought he'd be available for them. Um, but if, again, like with Barrett Hayden, if he's their guy, like, and especially that, like, like that 14 or like 15 to like 25 range you never know who has people where like there's some surprises that's kind of the not 100% sure kind of range um where you might see you don't want to risk dropping down too low and there might be a guy coming up um so because those guys those teams didn't really sacrifice their whole season mainly if you made the playoffs then you're great having a first round pick and um, but I like, I like Delandria and I think Dallas kind of just chose him as their guy. So, and he's the nicest person in the world. Although I did meet Gabriel Landeskog today at work and he was pretty nice too. So uh, you said hot, I don't want to incriminate <laughs> myself, but I will say that he is it's a okay. very good looking man in real life. <laughs> you got lost in the I eyes. also thought it was interesting too because underneath his sweater he was wearing what I think was maybe a team Sweden um like maybe soccer jersey are they playing in the World Cup Sweden yeah, yeah they're they're playing World Cup So that's yeah. probably why but anyways he's oh. such a gentleman I think him and I are friends now no big deal um but <laughs> you get him on the pod Yeah maybe <laughs> He asked me if I was a diehard hockey fan and I should have plugged the podcast. I was like, listen, bro. You're like, I have this podcast. Can uh... I just get you to say, hey, you're listen listening to, to Hosers. hosers. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Just okay. get him to say take off. Oh, my God. Fuck, I could have totally done that. He was super nice. But I'm really lucky that I, I get to meet uh, a lot of players in the offseason. And they're all the nicest people. So, anyways, that's my uh, that's my take on that. Speaking of uh, nice people, were you surprised that Ryan Merkley went um, a lot higher than I think a lot of people were expecting him to? Uh, yeah, like, 
I I really like him and think all that personality stuff is fixable. And if you're kind of betting on the player and then also betting on yourself as San Jose with your room and your kind of organization that you can get all that stuff out from under him. Like, he needs help. Like, that, it's a huge, like, stigma in professional sports right now with mental health. And I think if he needs help and he realizes it, then he can get that help. So, and he's an unreal player. He's, like, a top 10 talent no matter what. I would put him in skill-wise with that, like, Bocas, Bouchard, Dobson range. Like, it's unreal what he mm-hmm. can do. So... If you're San Jose and at 21, then why not take the risk with a guy that can instantly be that, oh, why did he drop so far to 21 yeah. Like, kind of guy? Like, he could come out of this and be the second-best defenseman if he really wanted. I really like Quinn Hughes as that. Like, I see him as obviously the second-best defenseman, but he can come out with that and be that unreal offensive force. And San Jose could use those young guys on the back end with Burns and Vlasic coming being getting old yeah yeah that's true so yeah i i really like him and if people were saying oh he'll go to the rangers or he'll go to the leafs or like just because they kind of have they could take a risk or whatever and the rangers have multiple picks so why not spend one year three first round picks on a guy like him but and they might have because they picked keandre miller at 22 right after merkley so they might have had merkley in his their sights but I, I love the pick with San Jose. I love what the Sharks are doing, their whole organization. They don't deserve Tavares, but whatever. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Burns can uh, teach him how to play some berry hockey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, li- I like the pick. I, I like him as a player, and that's really all that matters. When Yeah. Not all that matters. You're drafting the player and the, the work ethic because development's an underrated point of drafting. But, um yeah, so I like him. Yeah, I uh, I agree, and I think um, I've said this on the podcast before, but like if I could go back in time, being like the adult that I am now, and have a conversation with the eighteen year old Chris Killingsworth, I'd probably hate his fucking guts. And I think you know when you're eighteen, you know everybody's got warts. I wouldn't say on their game necessarily, but like they may have imperfections or blemishes in their life. <laughs> from a personality standpoint, someone's going to totally isolate that audio and go, when, when you're, you're 18, 18 everybody's, everybody's got, got warts. warts. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Okay. Anyways. But I think it's one of those things where like with a guy like him, you know, you can't teach that kind of skill, obviously. And I think that um, you're totally right as far as San Jose as an organization goes. Um, everybody knows of all the trouble that Evander Kane has found himself in in the last few years. And by all accounts, um, you know, they have a very strong room in San Jose, which is uh, hockey coach talk for the captain doesn't let that shit fly. Um and I think it's one of those things where there's a lot of accountability there, right? And somebody like him um, with such a high upside, it's going to be a, like a high-risk, high-reward type scenario, right? So it, it'll be interesting. But if I could put it to the, the two of you guys here before we get into a little bit of free agency stuff, who do you think, based on who they drafted, uh, won the draft? If you could pick one team that you think made out uh, pretty well, um, who would it be? We'll start with you, Carter. Um. You're going to like this one, I hope, Chris. You uh, you better. Um, I think the Leafs made out the best with Sandine. 
Yes, my new... Well, I was... T- Listen, Argushinsev... There you go. Said it. No problem. <laughs> uh, you know, do I want to take him to an all-you-can-eat buffet at Pizza Hut and have him eat for free? Yeah. That, that'd be the answer to my to that question. But if you look at the Leafs and, like, the defensive troubles that and, like, st- like struggles that they found themselves in, getting, like, a smaller offensive-minded, like, defenseman out of the Sioux, like, well, obviously from Sweden, but, like, out of, like, Sault Ste. Marie this year, like, scored, like, somewhere near 50 points. Like, he's going to be the guy that's going to, like, throw that mix up in the blue line and hopefully generate some of that, like, offensive defense that Toronto is very much needing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's crazy how much like their defensive pool was a mess before. It's pretty much Lilgren and that yeah. was it. And it's crazy that they stepped away from this draft with three possible NHL defensemen, yeah. like with Sandine. I really like Sean Dersey's game and Mac Hole Hollowell. Mac Hollowell. Um yeah. Hollowell. He he was my guy before. He's five nine. I'm kind of the same height, so I feel him. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I got the scouting report on Mac Hollowell and Sandine today from one of my one of my sources oh, yeah. in the league uh Andy Frost <laughs> but he uh his son Morgan obviously plays for uh the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and I asked him when I saw him today I was like you know like what's the deal on this guy and that organization is very high uh on Sandine and Mac Hollowell Hollowell um you know was passed up last year a little bit older um but for the type of game that he plays, you know, the comparables are are, you know, they're they're pretty good based on the yeah. the type of player that he is. Mm-hmm. Um but what else made you feel that way, Carter? You just think that Sandine uh alone or were there some other picks that you were pretty high on for the Leafs? Well, no, like that was the like he was I'm pretty sure he was on loan too from He is, yeah, from Rogla. So, like, he just, he wanted to be here, and, like, and he wants to make a life here playing hockey, like, in a Canadian organization. Like, he could have, he could have picked anywhere that he wanted to go, and, like, he he came and he made a difference in Sault Ste. Marie, and now he's going to make a difference here, and, like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my chips in the basket and say he's going to be one to watch next year. Yeah, I mean, I would expect Sandine to probably go back to Sault Ste. Marie because they're going to be stacked next year like they were stacked this year. Um, I, I imagine Barrett Hayton will be coming back. Borgen Frost will be coming back. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, Sandine was super exciting for me. Um, my pick for my favorite uh, my favorite class uh, as I think it's going to make Thomas really happy, since we're all going to make each other happy on this episode. <laughs> uh, the Leafs, obviously, like I was super happy with their picks. I really like Philip Crawl, um, Sean Dursey. Uh, I'm such a sucker for, um, you know, Leaf draft picks who are Leaf fans as kids. Like, fuck. Oh, man. You, like, vicariously want to live through them. Like, they are truly living the dream, getting drafted by their childhood team. Um, but I thought Detroit did very well this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird because I feel like I've got a bit of like a rooting interest for Detroit because um, as long as, well, because Thomas, one of my close friends, you know, writes about wing stuff constantly and I read everything that he writes. 
um, and then you know by proxy I'm interested in the team so that my friend has stuff to write about and you know like I, I honestly think it's crazy that they made off with Zadina they made off with uh, Joe Valeno and uh, Jonathan Berggren, um, who I think is a phenomenal player, super, super underrated, um, I think, by a lot of the scouting organizations going into the draft. Um, but he was a guy that I was hoping the Leafs would target with their 25th pick. Um, and, you know, somehow the Red Wings were able to get him. But I just felt really good about it. I think they walk away um, from this year's draft with three elite picks right away. Um, I think Joe Valeno will be... Um, I think he's going to be an NHLer. It was interesting to see that he fell as hard as he did, and I wonder if there's something there that you know we don't know about. Um, but the fact that they got a guy who you know projects to be 30, 40 goal scorer, um, you know, on a on a you know Red Wings offense that hasn't looked all that great in the last few years, uh, I think it's a very exciting time to be a Habs fan. And by Habs fan, I mean Red Wings fan. <laughs> The other one. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the interesting thing to point out with Joe Valeno is because of the exceptional status and he got to play a year early, he gets to go to the AHL as a 19-year-old. Because the, with the CHL agreement in the NHL, it's either you are 20 years old to play in the AHL or you've played four seasons in your CHL. I did team. not know that. So, so exactly. So... He will be playing his fourth season this year when he's and he turns 19. I think it's a January birthday. So he'll be turning 19 this year. But then next September, so September 2019, he could be playing with the Griffins and start the season when he's 19, so a year early in his development. So that instantly becomes a huge. I I don't think he makes the NHL in 2019. So it becomes a good. stepping stone towards developing because i don't think i think he just needs one more year in the queue to kind of figure it out score 100 points if you want whatever <laughs> i think he can on that germanville team um and yeah and then he could play in the a for the griffins and develop and get familiar with their s- systems and hopefully it's a s- familiar it's similar enough coach and ben simon um that he'll be teaching them well enough in the 2019-20 season um, that he can make the step to the NHL in the next season. To not make that drastic step from the Q, spend a year in the A, and then suddenly you're like 21-22 making the NHL. He gets to make the NHL when he's 20 if he really wants to um, with spending a full year in the AHL before other players are really able to coming from the CHL. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. as far as the teams that you thought that did the best, uh, Thomas, let's throw it back to you. Who do you think did the so, best? I It's in between two. We spoke about the Islanders before, and I really, really like their late-round picks with Bodie Wild and Jakob Skarik. I think they got one of the best um, goalies in the draft. I really wanted someone that I care about. I guess I care about the Islanders now um, to go. And then guys like Ruslan Ishkakov. He's short, but he's really skillful as a center. Um, he played in the Russia Junior League, but he was like a crazy skill. He had those highlights, like we you saw those highlights where he's kind of like doing the Kucherov twice. Yeah, love that move. International tournaments, and then like a pick like Blade Jenkins in the in the fifth round is a crazy good value. I really like his game. 
Um, but other than the kind of names that Islanders got, underrated, I really like Montreal. I know I'm going to hate myself for this, but I really like Montreal's draft. Yeah. Um, with, like, what do you mean? Like, with McShane guy, and some of their later round picks? Yeah, like, they're, they're second and third rounds. Like, I don't really... I think Romanov should have went later. Um, but <coughs> I really like... Yeah, they're set... Thank you. <laughs> I really like their centers that they got. And Olofsson, Hillis, McShane, Cole Fonstad. They got four centers that... Are, well, and Kotkaniemi, obviously, at the top. Um, so they got five centers in this draft that I believe any team should have been all over. I really, really like Cam Hillis, no matter what. I hate that he went to Montreal. It's almost like I was telling you, it's almost like Victor Mete from two years ago. I really wanted him to go to the Leafs when he was dropping. Um, I remember you but, yelling at the TV on Saturday morning. I was there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was It was this. Yeah. I I oh, I just love Cam Hillis as a player, and I think he is a very underrated pick. He's kind of small, but, he, you know, he's from Oshawa, so he won't care if he's small. He'll deal with the crackheads. And <laughs> yeah, but in Oshawa, up. doesn't everybody carry a knife? Yeah, exactly. I think so. Well, down Robin down should know. Ask her. <laughs> I, maybe I will ask her. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I mean... I agree with you. They did, I think they hit on some of their uh, older picks, or rather, like, later picks in the draft, for sure. Um, I like Fonstad a lot. I think he's pretty good. I think the thing that was weird about this draft is that there were talents that I was expecting to get drafted. And, I mean, there's always people that you're like, oh, this person's, you know, definitely, you know, team's going to, you know, um, you know, take a flyer on a guy with a seventh round pick. But there were like a lot of people that I was expecting to get drafted that did not get drafted. Um, what was the, you know, what was the one guy for you that you were like, oh my God, he was a surefire pick. Um, like, you know, why did he fall like out of contention to get drafted this year? I think it was Linus Nyman or Neiman. Uh, he plays for Kingston. He's an overager already, so he, he got skipped over last draft too. Um, so he'll be, I guess, 20 years old in the next year's draft. Still eligible, but um, he let me just pull up. He like was on a pace. If you go look at um, some other like more in depth prospect analysis, like prospectstats.com and all that stuff. Um, he was scoring at a rate, kind of pulling for that Kingston team on the second line. Um, and there's nothing really – like, he's a little light at 160 and 510, but he scored 85 points in 65 games this year. And there's no reason that he shouldn't have been drafted scoring 39 goals in the OHL. Um, and it says it says here on Elite Prospects that he's heading back to Liga um, to play for his hometown, Luko, which means lock, if you really want to. <laughs> Thank know. you. Um. Yeah. There you go. That's my uh, Libor Sulak scouting. That comes in handy. Uh. So yeah. So I think he should have been drafted no matter what. I loved him. As I was looking in, like halfway through this OHL season, he just popped out to me like crazy. Um, in his some of his counting stats and stuff that he just had as a player. Um, I didn't get to see too much of him on the ice. I th- think I caught a couple games with that Monster Kingston team, but. Like he, I really just the, there's so many players that I don't understand why he kind of got picked over him. Like he, it's like it's 
kind of with so much so many teams kind of um, professing their philosophy of drafting skill first, then there's this guy that scores almost 40 goals in the OHL and he just gets passed over. Yeah, so. it's it's really weird. Like I I had a bit of a list here of people that I was like super shocked that they didn't get drafted. Uh, Nathan Dunkley was one of them. Uh, I had Neiman on my list as well. Uh, Pavel Gogolev. Uh, He's in Red Wings camp. There you go. Uh, Igor Sokolov, who's going to be going to the Leafs camp. Um, who else did I have here? Ivan Korosenkov, um, QMJHL player. I believe he played for Cape Breton, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was somebody who I thought somebody would uh, would take a, take a run at. Um, and then there was a couple of European prospects. Uh, Jerry Turkalainen. You familiar with Jerry? Yeah, he's one guy. I think he's in going to the Kings camp, um, if I'm not mistaken. I forget. He was announced today. He was going to okay, the Kings camp. Okay, good. Um, I, and yeah. then um, Connor Roberts was another guy uh, who I was actually very shocked. It's weird because I think when you look at guys that get drafted high in like the OHL draft, like a guy like Connor Roberts um, or uh, David Le- Levin, that's his name, I believe, Um you expect them, like, you know, if they're, you know, one, two, or three in the OHL draft, that they're, like, surefire picks uh, for the uh, entry draft for the NHL. And both of those guys uh, didn't get picks. Um, but uh, Levin's going to the Leafs camp, so that'll be uh, interesting to see what happens there. But, yeah, Carter, are you sick of the prospect talk? or No, like, I I, I love watching, like, you know, I, like, when my prospects go, it goes to like the American University loop. Um, and you're going to hear me, like, talk a bit more about it now. But, like, um, like if you look at Boston College and, like, those hockey players that play under Jerry York, like, he's one of the most wing- winningest coaches in, like, all of hockey and most definitely in the NCAA. There um, it is, NCAA. You said it properly for the first oh time since this podcast started. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but if you look at, like... I think it was like Hutsko or Husko or whatever. Like he went, he's dude. Old, he's Husko. so good. He's amazing. He, like he went to he went to uh, Florida, and that was like from one of Nashville's picks. Um, but he's the only one on that Boston team that went. Like in that play, like that whole team is full of all Americans, full of people who are putting up like crazy points in that like um, Eastern or like Eastern Conference Hockey League or whatever it is. Um, but in that Div 1 loop, like, it's that whole Boston team, like, completely and severely passed over for this draft, and I was, like, so surprised that, like, at least a few of them didn't go through it. Like, yeah. you look at guys like Christopher Brown, or, um, like, you have, like, these, like, I guess the defensemen are, like, either overagers or a little young, but they are, like, the defensemen are putting up crazy points, and they're big, heavy boys, like... Kevin Lowen, who's like he's a ninety three, so his like time his ship has sailed. Like he's an overager, but he's like I don't know, like that that whole Boston team was one that was very enjoyable to watch this year and one that I thought was completely overlooked. Yeah, Logan Husko's a deep, deep cut for prospects, man. That's that's a guy who I uh I'm like actually shocked that you brought him up, I'll be honest. Um but yeah, like and I think Florida did okay with their draft as well they got uh, another oshawa boy sarah noel uh and then hutsko um yeah good job well, carter good oh, research can, buddy well 
it's the NC2A, buddy. They breed good <laughs> hockey players. Jesus H. But okay. if you look at, like, hardly any, like, obviously, like, Tachuk won the first round. He's from BU. But, like, like you, like, it's just a, a loop that gets severely overlooked. But they, like, those guys can basically skate, like, skate away from school into the NHL and they fit seamlessly. Well, and I think it'll be interesting, too, that uh, Brady Kachuk's probably going to spend as much time as possible at BU so that he doesn't have to go to Ottawa. <laughs> I would stay, too. Yeah. And I yeah, I really like Quinn Hughes, also. Um, he might be a surprise for to make Canucks camp after... Uh, I don't know what I'm saying right now. Make the Canucks after camp. Uh, he leading all pretty much defensemen in NCAA last year as a 18 year old and he's one of the youngest guys in this draft too um or he's old i don't know whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's okay man i don't know but i really like i really like quinn hughes and the fact that the team that i was writing for got to choose between hughes and zadina is crazy and i'm glad they chose zadina because red wings fans would have been calling for bouchard like crazy (laughs) if they picked hughes like it would have been a mess, so I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that. But, you so. know, Bouchard is going to be really, really happy on that blue line um, with Daryl Cates' son uh, on the other side, so it's yeah. all good. And Keegan Lowe. Don't forget Keegan Lowe. Yeah, and then they also drafted a guy who was the son of the team's dentist. Like, has Edmonton become a parody <laughs> no, of themselves? <laughs> that was the Red Wings. That was the oh, Red Wings. sorry. <laughs> That's that was, even funnier. That was, uh, Alec... I like Regula. Oh yeah, London. no, he was good on yeah. London's blue line. I thought. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of going. I didn't really watch a lot of London games, but uh, yeah, apparently he was partnered with Bouchard a lot, and they're both right-handed shots. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess he was just passing off the puck to Bouchard and then waiting. There so. you go. We'll we'll see next year if Bouchard makes oil. I think so. I think he does. I bet a beer for for both of you, and if if I win, you both have to buy me a single beer. Okay. Um, okay. But, yeah, this is maybe one of the longer podcasts yeah, that we've done. I was going to say, I have so, to get up at 6, and I'm still real 50%. quick. <laughs> real <laughs> quick, boys, before we, uh, before we end the podcast, let's just quickly talk about free agency, because we may not record another one before Tavares becomes a Maple Leaf. Um, what were like based on some of the top free agents because the uh, talking period has opened uh, where do you think that some of these people land Carter why don't you give us some free agents and we will tell you where we think they're going to go before we wrap up well let's start with Tavares okay go ahead Thomas what who's yeah where do you think Tavares is going to sign oh the Leafs of course I think I think it's Leafs or Sharks I think that's it. Like that, those are the two. Dallas can make the cap room work sometimes, but they'll have to move a lot. And you have the Sagan extension coming up. Like, why kind of? I know it's Tavares. Like, you try to sign an elite player when you can and worry about stuff later. Um, but I think they have enough of a future, and they'll be risking a lot to try to sign Tavares when you could get Sagan for a little bit cheaper probably and he already knows the team and he could probably put up similar points in the right situation um so yeah I I think it'll be the Leafs no yeah what. what about you Carter uh I would have liked to honestly like to see or like to see him go to Dallas 
Um, I, I thought that would have been an interesting uh, like move for him and a good fit, I think. Like, just going into a place where he can kind of exhaust the same type of like leadership and like playing style that he had in New York. But the Leafs would be... It'd be wild to see him in Toronto. Oh, it'd be like the superstar team. It'd be the Warriors. Like, everyone would be tuning <laughs> yeah. in for Tavares' first game. Like... It'd be crazy. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree with that. So here's here's. I mean, obviously, I want him to go to the Leafs. Um, I have it on good authority. I spoke to the psychic recently that uh, <laughs> he'll be coming. No, but uh, Leafs or I would love to see him go to Dallas, and here's why. I think feasibly for them to ice a competitive team next year, and there's a few. <laughs> they need def- him. <laughs> deficiencies that the stars have but i think it would be really really interesting for the you know let's say the stars signed him to a 12 million dollar um you know uh, seven year deal let's say they would then have to probably look at moving out a guy like jason spezza who's got a year left at seven and a half million if they were to then trade him to the leafs spezza to the leafs then dallas would have to give a sweetener back to Toronto for taking that contract and that's how we get Julius Honka. You've thought about this. <laughs> oh man. Do you, could you I think I'd rather just talk yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, no, I know, but couldn't you see the Leafs doing something like that? Like really like oh, use sure. their cap space um like almost like weaponizing their cap space. You don't you don't want them to weaponize it to keep Van Riemsdyk? No, I could care less about Van Riemsdyk. <laughs> no. And and I, I I think I'm comfortable saying that now when I've seen oh, yeah. um, J- JVR's ship has sailed and they should not try and make him fit this year. Okay, well, where do you think JVR is going to land, fellas? Anywhere but Toronto. I I would like to see him with the Devils or I think he stays in the East. I don't think he goes I think west. He... If he goes west, he'll go to like the Ducks. Yeah, I was going to say the Ducks if it was the Western Conference. If it was the Eastern Conference, I think he goes back to Philly. Oh, I okay. saw uh, Eklund E5 said that he was probably no, I'm just oh, joking. Shit. No, he did say it because I saw it on Hockey Buzz. Because uh, as you guys know, I I read that <laughs> so uh, my last 15 minutes of my uh, like my last 15 minute break at work, and I know I have you know like several hours to think about stuff. I'll like read whatever nonsense Eklund is spewing, and I'm like, well, maybe he does go back to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe read some Mike in Buffalo, the P P H W A. Oh my writer. gosh, that writes for hockey buzz. Could you imagine? Um, but I I I could also see him going to a place like the Devils too. The Devils, um, like he's from New Jersey. I know he was a Rangers fan growing up. I don't yeah. think he'd go to a team like New York or not really poised to do very much as they're still, I would say, in their rebuild. But it'd be interesting to see him go to a team like New Jersey. Yeah, he'd fit in well. Uh, who else? Maybe maybe, uh, maybe Carolina to go with his brother. <laughs> yeah, but apparently they need apparently Carolina is having some trouble signing TVR to an extension. That's what I was reading earlier oh, yeah. today. Okay, Let, let's get. Okay, who guy. else? Bozak? No. How about oh, Neil? Yeah, Vancouver. Vancouver. That's what I was gonna say. Vancouver <laughs> for sure. I love I love the Canucks. They're my Western team, but. Uh, yeah, I see them signing like Bozak to something like a six million three year deal, and I wouldn't really care because if it's three years, the worry is like six and six. That'd be yeah. insane. 
Yeah, that's. I was gonna say Vancouver. What about you, Carter, for Bozak? I don't. I haven't followed the Bozak thing. No, the Habs. The Habs. Yeah, he might go to the Habs though. They need centermen. What about your boy Mike Green, Thomas? Detroit. He's staying. He's staying. Oh God, no! Please, no. I I like him, but just for some spice in Detroit. Just some some spice, yeah. Some sick tribal tats in Detroit. Well, what look? Um, you think you think he's gonna stay for the year? I no, he's not gonna sign a one or two year. They already said that. They offered him officially. I guess I could say more on this uh, quickly. They offered him one year six mil or two year at five. Jesus. Um, but they're not gonna go. They're not gonna go longer than that or more money yeah. than that. And I think he. Since Carlton signed, I think he could get insane money now. I think some team's going to come with a five-year deal at, like, a five-year, five-mil, like, not even think about it. Like, yeah. a team like Washington, he could go and play, or Buffalo even. Why not? Like, See, I would I would have a clause in the contract that's like, you're getting no money unless you pay play at least 40 games this year. Naked. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike Green's a good one, though. I, uh... I I don't know. I kind of like seeing players go back to the team that they like kind of made a name for themselves with. There's no way that he's going to go to Washington because they simply don't have the cap space. Um, I want him to, though. Yeah. I, well, obviously, you don't want him with the wings. But um, who's another interesting one? Paul Stastny? That's kind of an interesting one. I was going to say Neil. James oh, yeah. Neil. I think he stays with the... Well, know. let's do Stastny and then we'll do Neil. I think he stayed with the Jets. They make it work. I was looking today, and if the Leafs could go, this is always because everything circles around the Leafs. Um, if the Leafs could go and get a Myers or Bufflin, which is my dream, uh, clear up some cap space so they could sign Statsny, then that's fine. I I think he likes Winnipeg and sees them winning, so he's that kind of guy that would stay there. So Yeah. I was also thinking about maybe Colorado as a fit for him, like going back to the team he used to play for. I think oh. they'll probably be looking for some centers, potentially. Now, well, them, them and I Canadians he, are like on the block for, for him. Stasny for sure yeah. to the yeah. Canadians. Yeah, I could see that too. He's going to get paid like crazy once to yeah. leaves. Like some team's going to offer him like eight mil for five years or something like that. Yeah. Like, and I think it'll start to get like stupid trade off season, you know, craziness. As soon as the Tavares stuff, you know, figures itself out, I think we're going to see O'Reilly move. I think we're going to see Pacioretty move. I think we're going to see Skinner move. Um, now on the topic of those guys, where do you guys see uh, Jeff Skinner landing? I think if, Tavares doesn't sign with the Leafs. I think them trading for Jeff Skinner would be yeah. smart. I really like him, and besides besides Matthews or besides Kadri, I think he would be insane beside them. So I would really like him with the Leafs. Other than that, I think he could go west. I was um, gonna say Minnesota. That'd be because Minnesota. Ooh. I see them. Do- Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I just said I see Minnesota doing something. There are rumors with like. They asked um, Spurgeon. Was it Spurgeon, Nina Ryder? Who else? Uh, yeah, Dumbo? Dumbo wasn't on no. that. Spurgeon and Nita Ryder were for sure, though. Were the big ones that are, they asked for their no trade lists. Um, I would love either of them on the Leafs too. They're insane players. They're 
highly underrated too, so you could probably steal them. It'd be interesting to see uh, if uh, Niederreiter ended up. I keep saying this. I I don't mean to keep living in the past, but uh, Nino Niederreiter going back to the island. Because they're going to. No, they're going to be looking for wingers, though. You just want to live in like 2011. No. Just like bring go back, back everyone. Go. No. Well, I just. I think it would be interesting. Fly home. Fly Gretzky's home. moving back to Brantford. <laughs> yeah. What about um? What about Pacioretty? I see him going to Florida. Although maybe not uh, though, because Mike Hoffman craziness, the Sharks <laughs> just totally fucking the Senators, which was incredible, by the way. That was. Yeah. I think I think Pacioretty the Sharks would be. I know that was rumored on draft day that they had a deal going on, but if it's again, it's all Tavares. If Tavares doesn't go to the Sharks, then I could see the Sharks going for it with getting Pacioretty. So. Once Tavares falls, then the teams that were after him, like the Stars and Bruins and Sharks, because yeah, they're gonna have to use that cap space Uh, elsewhere. (laughs) Yeah, they're gonna either. I don't think there's any free agents that is deserving of that cap space, but I think they'll go out and trade for those guys. I love it. Um, Well, guys, this has been a pretty long episode, but uh, before we wrap up. Uh, Thomas, is there anything that you want to plug? Where can people find your stuff? Oh, God. Um, so on Twitter, I'm no salary retained, but without the E at the end of retained. I guess I said that right. Um, and I write at Wings Nation and the Leafs Nation. So you can see my stuff there. Right now we're just doing a bunch of news about crazy stuff happening. Um, but we got a decent amount of co- hashtag content <laughs> coming out. So just watch out for that. Awesome. Uh, Carter, was there anything else you wanted to add? Um, if you Google Fleming Knights men's hockey coaches, you can find Chris and myself. <laughs> yeah, we coach a hockey team. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have all of our info up there soon. Also, Please. the most unflattering photo of me ever is on that page. Yeah, Chris is like, turn the lights off. I have a good feeling <laughs> about this. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks, dude. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Remember, you can always listen to Hosers on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes or leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can follow Carter and I on Twitter. You can follow me at ckillingsworth9 and Carter at Carter Lupel. Did I miss anything? No, what happened to penalty kills? Oh, dude, it's a long story. That's that's an off-the-podcast conversation. Okay, well, let's get the <laughs> hell off of here. All right. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. We will be back. Uh, we'll probably come back next week, I would imagine, get back yeah. in the swing of things for the offseason. We'll have lots of stuff to talk about uh, for the free agency period. And, uh, yeah, I think the lesson learned today is that you should weaponize your cap space. <laughs> Thanks, guys. (laughs) See you later. Bye. Bye.